So today I sit down with my co-host, Alex Stewart, who's one of the co-founders of Market Distillery Report. And for those that don't know, Alex and I have traveled around the city for years doing economic presentations. And he's just one of the most intelligent individuals that uh, I've got a chance to be around, challenges me every day in my thought process and does a lot of due diligence before these shows. And I just really value having him on here. It's a real honor to be a part of what he's doing. Each month, we're going to come to you guys with a market report. And this is that segment. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, we've got a pretty exciting topic to talk about. I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Stewart from Market Distillery Report. Thanks for being here. Yep, absolutely. So one of the things that we're hearing about is uh, obviously inflation, right? And it's and it's a tough topic to battle because really not many of us have lived through the depths of what we're at right now. But what we do know is this, is there's this hidden, there's this hidden thing in the background about employment that really isn't discussed enough. We get a really big number. We hear a lot of information about it. The news kind of drowns it out. And for the general audience, it's kind of confusing. But what you and I have tracked over at Market Distillery is that there has been an employment issue lingering, if you may, since about late 2017. And what I mean by that uh, for our audience is the disparity between the amount of jobs that are available versus the people that want to work. And that is something really big because that not only impacts the political front, it absolutely impacts the monetary front. When I say monetary, I mean Federal Reserve and their decision making because they're using unemployment as a benchmark as to when to stop doing some of the measures they're taking and raising the Fed funds rate right now. And so we're kind of going to break down for our audience and make this topic as simple as possible. So for future reference, when you hear some of these reports or some of these terms, you kind of understand better than what the news is giving you information about. And so we're kind of going to start uh, with, with what's going on since 2017 and kind of move into now. We'll keep it pretty simple. You know, there's a, there's, there's a group, uh, or I guess you could say a, a generation, uh, that has really kind of made the bulk of the workforce, and that's been the baby boomers. I mean, if you look at the... You know, Alex, if you look at the amount of employees, it's pretty much made up. The biggest bulk is baby boomers. And since 2017, that that top end of ages for baby boomers have started retirement. Right. And that retirement started to pick up big in 18, but wasn't being talked about. And it kind of was off the radar. And we really started to see a little bit of wage pressure start during that time, because as people leave the workforce, you need more people to come into the workforce. And that wasn't happening. Right. And so COVID accelerated that. And as COVID accelerated that, what we saw was the disparity become much greater and the talent pool of people coming to work was far diluted because of the absence of the baby boomer generation. Right. And there's a theology that some of those boomers had significant increase in their retirement funds to where they actually say, you know, I'm going to call retirement early. And, and they left at an accelerated rate because of that. And now we have a gap in the workforce that has been really accelerated and widened deeper during COVID. And as we're in 22 right now, the ideology is it's not getting better. Right. Yeah. And I think really what stems all of this is people are wondering what's going to happen with inflation, what's going on with the economy. And, and really, you're hitting at a lot of the core points of, of these underlying factors that are harder to see for a lot of the public um, you know, we look at uh, the unemployment report that comes out, the inflation report that comes out. So we just had that Thursday, came in higher than expected. And, you know, when you look at the projections, the projections are pretty much that it's just going to go straight down. I mean, a lot of people 
have been feeling that unemployed or that that inflation will continue to go down. But as you've pointed out, this is really a demographic issue. This is right. this is a trend that is going to stem there because so talk to us a little bit about if you don't have enough employees, what happens to prices as a business owner? So it's it's wage inflation at its best. It's the pure definition. If we don't have enough employees that want to come to the workforce, we have to attract them some way, somehow. Either we over glamorize the job itself, mm-hmm. which is never good, or we overpay. And that's exactly what's happening right now, is that employers are overpaying. You, there's not a place you can go anywhere in the United States right now and not see help wanted signs more than you've ever seen them before. Right. And it's being a requirement to overpay for that, especially these entry-level positions. And I'm not talking about minimum wage increases or um, you know, uh, growth to economies of scale affordability. I'm talking flat-out overpaying to get people to come to work, and it's not working. Right. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, I saw a stat on the Wall Street Journal that said the average worker makes 15% more by changing jobs right now than they would if they stayed at their current job, which tells you everything that you need to know in terms of that 15% is being to try to lure a productive person from right. one job to the other. Um, and I think the reason we have to talk about that is for the audience. You know, inflation, a lot of us just get this, this I don't know, this idea or something that's programmed into us is inflation just means the dollar is weakening. Well, there's reasons for that to happen. The reality is wage inflation is one of the biggest leaders of inflation because if you're paying people more money, they're going to do what? Yeah, they're going to spend more they're money. They're going to spend more money, gonna, right? Yeah. They're going to spend more money. And if you're overpaying someone, right. they're going to overspend. And what's the reality is, is inflation is there's too much money being spent in the system. Yep. Well, it's being led by the wage war. And there's other things adding to it, but that's what's being the, the front runner here. And I think what we're about to show today to our audience and talk about is that doesn't give any signs of getting better right. soon. And that is the challenge that uh, that I think presents this inflationary cycle that we're in right now compared to others. And obviously, we know that what can happen is inflation gets worse or stays stagnant or whatever, stagflation, deflation. The reality is this is one of the biggest recipes of the problem, and it's not being talked about enough. Sure. Well, and the, it, how do you fix it? That's right. the other piece. I mean, there's one thing to say we're going to raise rates and we're going to make it less appealing to buy a house or a car or uh, to get people to stop borrowing money. But when you just don't have enough workers, the only thing you really can do is kill the economy so that those jobs go away entirely. And that's that's a very dangerous game because that's a, a much greater consequence than actually just having inflation right. uh, where people are actually still able to earn money. A um, couple of the things that we've made note of that I want to just bring up is so, you know, we are seeing a, a participation of people age 25 to 54 increase, meaning there are more of them in the workforce. But the big gap is on the outsides of that. Mm-hmm. So as you spoke to, that's the entry level people on the on the low side and the retirees and the, and the early early retirees or the baby boomers retiring on the on the far side. Um, we are seeing, though, more disabled people are able to enter the workforce because they can remote in. So that's a positive change here, right? That's about the only shining light in this right here is that that community has had the ability to pick up additional work that maybe they couldn't do before. Now they can do from home, and that's great for that community. It's fantastic. It's just not enough people still in the workforce, even with that being said. Yeah, and recently we got a report along with unemployment that, or along with inflation that unemployment had gone down to 3.5%. And, and the immediate reaction is, okay, well, that guarantees the Fed's going to continue to raise rates because mm-hmm. we're not seeing a tick up in unemployment. Um, but what people might not know is 57,000 people were removed from the labor force. 
And that was the big reason why that unemployment actually went down is because they're no longer even factored in the equation. Right. Um, we saw that most of the job gains were out of older males. So people that are maybe even potentially coming out of retirement. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. These are people that retired too early, right? right? They made some big licks in the stock market. They thought life was good. They thought it was, well, I got this, I'm going to retire. And then we've had some corrections. You know, right. We've had 20% declines. And all of a sudden, they're going, this isn't going to work. And they reenter. As a matter of fact, that's the highest amount of reentry we've seen. That's that's the pivotal moment there is that that's the bulk of what's reentering. Sure. It's still not that younger age group that we're talking about. Sure. And costs have gone up. So maybe they up. thought they had enough money and now they're seeing the cost of their energy bill go up, the cost of their food going up, and they're saying, I need to get my job back or get a job back. Right. Um, and then one of the other things that really doesn't come through unless you dig into the numbers is the number of people taking a second job. This one's just baffling to me, by the way. And when we say second job uh, for our audience, we're talking a second full-time job, not just a part-time job, not a side hustle. We're talking about two full-time jobs running at the same time. Right. That actually gets reported yeah. to the government as a new new job. So just to run through a few numbers here, uh, you know, in June of 2020, so we've sort of come out of COVID and we're in that summer trying to figure out where things are, we had 6 million uh, jobs in the market that were being um, being done. And then in September of 2022, it was 7.65. And these are the people that have two jobs. So that means that we've seen a 10% of the market become people that have two jobs, which is just a huge percentage of the people in the market working two jobs. Right. Um, it, it's absolutely insane what is happening there because that is not also helping inflation because that's not productivity gains. Right. That is that is people working extra jobs to either keep up with the costs of what they've got around them or just cheating the system, right? right. They're, they're double timing their employer. They have two jobs. One employer doesn't know about the other employer and they're working it. And I mean, just to kind of speak to that point before we did this, we just Googled working two jobs. There's YouTube videos that show people how to work like 40 hours, two 40 hour jobs in a 40 hour week and selectively, you know, cheat on the other employer and make it work. Do just enough to get by. And to your point, that's not producing anything. That's right. just enough to get by. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at www boemortgage.com www.boemortgage.com because it's more than loans it's people thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor all right now back to the podcast yeah and a lot of people think that with inflation it is stemming from uh, too much demand. But at the end of the day, if we had a very productive employed workforce, what are they going to do? They're going to make more goods. They're, they're going to uh -huh. increase the supply. And, and that increase in the supply of things is going to help to bring the cost down. This is the simplest form of when you hear people talk about GDP, this is the simplest form. We'll break it down for you real quick. It's the amount of employees in the workforce 
plus the output those employees can produce will equal your product for your GDP. Right. And if you think about this, if you have a low number of employees, a lower than traditional speaking, you're going to have a lower product output. Mm-hmm. This, that's going to increase the price of that product because it's a lower amount going down. And that's essentially what you're talking about. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this with the housing market? I mean, how do you think this translates to impacting the housing market and, and where we see things going in the future? I think I think every market is different. There's sub-markets that are much different. But I think if you live in a city that has a strong demand of uh, – let me back up – a city that has a strong unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meaning those low. Are, low, yeah. yeah, thank you. The lower unemployment rate, you're going to be just fine. The housing market may grow stagnant for a little bit, just a little bit, until we get out of this rate conundrum that we're in or at least get some stabilization, you know, because extremely volatile up and down, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that have high, high, high unemployment because people are not working. They're the ones that are going to be in problem. And do you think this is going to contribute to relocation continuing to be a factor as we go forward? Where Absolutely. As long as we have work from home as, a, as an option, mm-hmm. people are going to continue to flee to tax uh, abatement states, states that have no state income tax. And then they're also going to look at the ones that are highly affordable. Yeah. You know, when you measure certain cities compared to other cities there's that are affordable versus non-affordable, the non-affordable usually also has a state income tax. It's weird how that works. And then you have states that are much more affordable that don't have a state income tax and your dollar gets you more. That's right. always been the case. But now with inflation, cost of living, you add in all these different things and maybe you're one of the People that's working two jobs, you figured it out. You can do that remotely. You can do that in a city that's going to provide better affordability. You live a better lifestyle. Yeah, it seems like we're getting to the point where also costs in bigger cities were always traditionally higher as well. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to make a lot more financial sense, even with housing costing more, right? So it looks like it costs more. Uh, to, to relocate to another area so that you can actually maintain your lifestyle right. and make your dollar go further. So I was talking to one of our counterparts in the West Coast mm-hmm. in, in a city, and it, and he said it's almost like the gears have just come to a halt, meaning the real estate has just – it's not selling right now. It has completely stopped. Ironically, that same city has a very high unemployment rate, right. very high. Now, I can say the city that we're sitting in right now, Jacksonville, Florida, where we're doing this podcast from – little different situation, right? We have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the state, uh, one of the lowest in the country. And our real estate market, while it's not 2020, 2021, when you compare to the city and the person I was just speaking to, it's night and day. Right. And I think that kind of adds to your question of how is this going to affect real estate? And that's kind of, you know, what we're seeing happen currently right now. Yeah. And I, I think let's wrap up with this. But as a business owner, when you are talking to other business owners and, and they're trying to find advice, what do you think you would advise them? What are some of the lessons maybe you've learned as you've gone through this or some of the things you're thinking about going forward that are important to, to address this? Well, let me kind of lead with this. So if you go back to 2006, 7, 8, 9, we had a, a similar real estate cycle, if you may, not similar, but it did have its ebbs and flows. The difference then is unemployment was high. People wanted a job, and the boomers were still highly, highly active in that market, right. and jobs were not aplenty. People were being laid off at massive rates. You come to today, and, and, and going back to that time, you could put an ad out for an entry-level position, and you could get 10, 20, 15, 30 people in a week apply for that job, and they were very qualified. In most cases, a lot of people during that time were hearing terms called you're overqualified for this position. You're just overqualified. You had management people applying for entry-level positions because they were overqualified, but they were desperately seeking a job. 
it couldn't be more opposite right now. Mm-hmm. You have that same position being advertised, no one applying, or maybe it's one to two people a week who are so underqualified for that role. As an employer, you're actually compromising the hiring process and the hire to take someone to fill a spot. You're actually hiring people to fill a spot, not to fulfill a spot. And that is a big difference. And that's why we're seeing a diluted marketplace right now when it comes or the workforce. And that's a challenge. And I think that that is a challenge that's going to continue for quite some time until this goes away. And, and to your point, like, hey, what makes this go away? It's going to take the elimination of jobs, which is a, a very risky proposition, yeah. right? We've talked about that. But I guess for our audience, what I want them to take away from this is, you know, you can hear as much as you want to hear about raising rates, stopping the dollar from moving, the velocity of money, until this unemployment gets to a position to where the widening of jolts, which is the job openings report, shrinks, mm-hmm. or the amount of people enter the workforce. I mean, we've got 4.1 million people. We, we call it the job loss report because they've, they've left the workforce right. altogether. They didn't lose their job. They said, deuces, I'm out. I am not doing I'm yeah, not, not working. Seeking it, I'm right. not even seeking it. I could care less. Until part of that 4.1 million re-enters this workplace, and we might be at this position for a little bit. Yeah. Well, and so that that's kind of my advice going into this is be very selective about who you hire and look look to fulfill the position, not just fill it. And it's okay if it's vacant for a while. It's okay. Well, it sounds like also, if I just put some color on this, it seems like training makes a lot more sense in this case because you may have to hire somebody and put a lot more effort into bringing them up to speed oh, yeah. than you did in the past where you could hire somebody that was ready to go out the gate. Yeah, and I would say, you know, you know, if you're not growing, you're kind of dying, that old adage. And mm-hmm. so learning right now is crucial. Investing in your people is crucial. Investing in yourself is crucial right now. You know, I'm telling my children, I'm like, guys, if you have any work ethic as you enter the workplace, you're going to kill it right now because it's not there. It's just not there for new entries. Now, there's people that are in the game that have been doing it for a while. And they've got it, right? Experienced people, they've got it. But there are people entering the workforce right now that could care less to have it. They could care less to grow. And you see it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to a business owner who said, I hired someone and I can see it in their eyes two weeks from now. They're looking for a way to either quit or get fired. Well, we know what that leads to. Mm -hmm. They're trying to hit the claims report over there. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get in the job, you know, unemployment line. That's ridiculous. And so I think that, you know, training is crucial right now and honing your craft is crucial. And that type of stuff will rise to the top. But right now, you know, what our audience could take away from this is, is twofold. You're going to get a lot of reports. You know, we're all going to be looking to when's this going to get better, when are things going to go. Literally, this is the one report that comes out every Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's called the Job Loss Claims Report. And then there's the Continuing Claims Report. And then every month we get an ADP report now. We get the BLS report that shows the jobs. This is as much political as it is monetary. We're going to hear a lot about it during the midterm run here, about job loss, job employment, job improvements. And we're also going to hear it during the up-and-coming presidential election two years from now because my take is this is not going to get better in two years. Yeah. I just don't see it happening because the widening of the gap is so big uh, between the amount of jobs available. The job available reports just shy of 10.2 million jobs available. Right. 10.2 million. Right. We've got 4.1 million people that like, don't even bring that to me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> We've got another set of people that that, that not trying to fill it either. So, and and I think we're at 3.5% unemployment, you said earlier. So 3.5% of employment, you know, that's, if you take that times the current workforce on there, I'm not sure exactly what that number is off the top of my head, but 
that we should be filling that is what I'm trying to say. Like we have the people to fill that and we're not doing that. So until that gets better, we're going to continue to see some, some run of some not so great numbers in the side of inflation. Yep. Well, I, if nothing else, I think this offers some great insight on, on what's driving mm-hmm. these things and how it's not as simple as just raise the rates. Right. Uh, that, that that may linger longer and, and there may be some challenges there but also what to focus on and what to be advised, especially if you're a business owner or someone who manages and thinks about that. So that's awesome. Yeah. My final piece of advice to this is if you're in the workforce, good for you. If you have the ability to live in a city that has a low unemployment rate, guess what? You're going to be a winner in this. And if not, well, come on over and move to one of them. I'm sure they're happy to have you. Sweet. All right. Thanks for being on the show, Alex. Yep. Thank you. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. And when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah